Welcome to another edition of Cloud Unfiltered. This is a special edition at KubeCon in Chicago. And my friend here, Jim from Dermato, right? Yes. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Mike. Yeah, my pleasure. I mean, we, we've, we're, we've been connected for so long. <laughs> know. You know, it's, 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 it's kind of funny that you haven't been on here before. <laughs> yes, so happy to be here now. <laughs> um, so, so tell us a little bit about what you're working on these days. Yeah, so Nirmata, my company, is focused on governance, policy management for Kubernetes cloud-native workloads. And as part of that, we about two years ago, we created an open source project called Kiverno. Kiverno means to govern in Greek, which oh, goes along with the Kubernetes I theme. I had no idea what that meant. Yeah, right. <laughs> so by the way, Nirmata means creator in Indo-Aryan languages, so it's like Director, awesome. creator, orchestrator. I love that. Um, yeah, so uh, we started, you know, in the broader sort of Kubernetes management space. Um, some of the trends we saw is that, of course, there's several ways to provision things with IAC, with Terraform, with you know other types of uh, solutions. So more and more, as we were working with customers, we started focusing on day two concerns, right? And in day two, you have things like governance, you have things like you know observability. And as part of that, you know, Kiverno evolved as one of the projects we created. And we donated that to CNCF about two and a half years ago or so. Kiverno now has about, you know, 2.5 billion downloads. Wow. It's quite popular. So doing, you know, surpassed our expectations in terms of That's a good thing. adoption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and at Nirmata, we provide, you know, more of a unified governance plane, which is multi-cluster, multi-cloud on top of. So what does Caverno actually do? Like if somebody, who would yeah. be looking for that? Great question, right? So one of the trends we've been kind of hearing here at KubeCon, and I'm sure you've seen in other conversations too, is, you know, everybody wants to move fast, deliver faster, deliver more value to their end users or customers. And part of that is improving internal developer experience. And out of that, there's this emerging platform engineering theme, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, in sort of, we had like ops and developers, of course, forever. Mm -hmm. We had DevOps. Now we're sort of you know taking a lot of that and moving that into platform engineering, where the platform becomes an internal product that these teams are managing. Kubernetes has become the choice of you know um, uh, of being the platform for which on these where these internal platforms are built, along with various CNCF components and technologies, right? So part of that you know, trend that we're continuing to see is how do you now get more agility to developers? We believe security and guardrails are a big part of that to provide that developer self-service and hence like the policy management aspect to it. So you mean when I'm new to Kubernetes and uh, I'm just trying to get that out there mm -hmm. and I may not be considering some of the policies right, that might be right. best to, to implement these containerized workloads. Sure. Yeah, and starting out, of course, if you have initial applications, and by the way, Kubernetes itself, we often hear, you know, things like Kubernetes is complex. Well, it solves a complex problem, which is why, you know, there is complexity in it. And Kubernetes trying to be, you know, be becoming extensible being as flexible as it is, it has declarative configurations across several different concerns. So just take, for example, a single YAML or manifest in, in, in Kubernetes, you might have bits and pieces that the security team cares about, you have other portions that the developers care about, 
and other portions that the operators care about in terms of the end things. Now, you could try and manually coordinate all of that, or you could use policies to automate that. So you're right, very often policies are thought of as a day two concern, but what we see is more and more savvy teams are saying, let's make that a day zero concern because policies are not just for enforcement or validation, but also for automating some of these security concerns from the beginning, right? So every workload you deploy is secure, has the right configurations, and when you get to, you know, you, you drop in other secure runtime security tools like CNAPs and others in your runtime, you get clean reports rather than gobs and gobs of violations and findings, right? So, so what's, what is going to be a differentiator from, from an open source thing like Caverno versus something like OPA with like, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so OPA predates Caverno, right? And yeah. we, in the community, of course, before we launched Caverno, we spoke to a lot of folks, end users, internal, you know, the community members, as well as some of the founders and you know team involved in OPA, and some of the history behind Open Policy Agent. A great, great project does what it you know is intended to do. Um, their intention was to bring. They had a declarative language called Rego, mm -hmm. which initially was designed for authorization, and they've extended that to be able to now add rules or rule-based checks into Kubernetes itself, right? And that's what Gatekeeper, which mm -hmm. is a sub-project, does in the community. Kiverno took a very different approach to policy management and said, look, Kubernetes itself is designed to be extensible. It has things like CRDs. It has admission, you know, dynamic admission controllers. Why not make policies native to Kubernetes itself, right? So with Kiverno policies, as well as policy reports, as well as you know policy exceptions, these are all native resources. You don't need any external interfaces, any external uh, or even a separate language to write policies. Policies are declarative YAMLs, much like you would you know have a pod or a deployment or other things. So what that does, much like you know I think of it as you know when when we had like the whole container. Uh, evolution or revolution, Docker took the container and freed it from the paths and gave it back to developers, right? And said, hey, you can build a container and then deploy it. Similarly, we're taking policies and saying, any Kubernetes admin can write policies, manage policies. It's not just security teams in an ivory tower, right? Policies should be part of your management tools and needs to be something which is easily accessible to developers, to operators, and to security teams. So just thinking out loud here, if you have, it sounds like you have an operator that kind of manages these, um, you know, that, that manages these policies. So you can, you can then, you know, kind of manage them in the API within Kubernetes uh, as custom resource definitions. But then, wouldn't those custom resource definitions need that same policy? <laughs> it's like, it's kind of circular. Who's, who's policing the policy? <laughs> yeah, who's policing the policy? That's a great question, right? And it's sort of a, uh, you know, you, you want to kind of secure at one level, but then you do need additional checks and things. So first of all, Kubernetes itself has built-in RBAC. Kubernetes sure. has, you know, namespaces and segmentation. So it has, yeah. again, going back to the one reason why it, it gets dinged for being too complex, is it provides you all of these tools. It's a toolbox, right? Yep. And I think Kelsey said that several years ago, 
Or, or maybe it was Joe Beta who said Kubernetes is a toolbox. It's yeah. what you build. I heard Kelsey say that right. before. So right. Yeah, so yeah. Um, so and that is absolutely true. So if you treat it as a toolbox, it depends on what problem you're trying to solve and how you utilize those tools, right? So here, what you know, to to, your, to answer your question, you would use RBAC, you would use segmentation, you would use other constructs to secure Kiverno itself. By the way, we we are going through as an open source project which is fantastic being in the CNCF, we go through security audits, reviews, we get you know, pounded uh, with, with any, of course, uh, both on terms of scalability and security, and, and rightly so, because Kiverno, like Kubernetes, is in many mission-critical you know, deployments. Uh, about six months ago, the US DOD replaced OPA with Kiverno in platform one, wow. um, and they, of course, went through their own suite of tests and hardening and other things. So, you know, and that's obviously comes with a lot of responsibility. And that's an impressive you know, feat too, yeah. you know. You know, that's something that, that not to take lightly. I mean, I've, I've, I haven't been involved directly, but I've seen what it takes to get something into, you know, the CNCF. And I, and I understand because I've been through a lot of security audits with, for software and things like that, what that takes too. So all those things together is pretty, pretty right. amazing. And honestly, just being completely transparent, we couldn't have done it as a standalone company, right? It's the yeah, community, yeah. It's the, and it's the fact that we're part of CNCF that propels and gives us that momentum and also the support that's needed for sure. a project like this. Yeah. yeah, no, that's amazing. So, you know, we talk about policy as one aspect of that, but, but you know, it's funny because when a few years ago, I think, you know, as OPA came out, that, that, or that, that was really when people started really thinking about policy right. around Kubernetes. And, you know, but, but the kind of the security landscape is, is shifting even more now because Kubernetes itself, um, you know, people weren't really considering security as much before because they were just getting to know it. They were just trying to get, you know, containers up there and stuff like that. But now you have so many other things to consider. You have supply chain security. You have, you know, all these policies. You have all these, where should all this stuff be done? Like how, you know, in your opinion, obviously this is yeah. an opinion, but where, yeah. you know, how do you, how do you manage all these different things that you need to do just to manage the app? Great, great set of questions, right? <laughs> and something, you know, we've been thinking about quite a bit and discussing with a lot of our customers and community as well. So if you think about it in the last like three to five years as an industry, right? There's a lot of push towards modernizing apps, right? Yep. Containers gives us that that common packaging. Kubernetes gives us the common runtime. What we've not discussed, and maybe it's just the natural progression, like yep. you're saying, yeah. is how do we modernize security, Yeah. right? Because if you start using the same old security tools with modern apps, it doesn't work, no. right? And what we're seeing over and over is, you know, as, as an enterprise, you might buy the latest and greatest, you know, acronym or security tool. Uh, you put that and, and it's doing your runtime, the, the traditional sort of scan, analyze, report. Sure. You get, you know, like gobs and gobs of findings, but your developers don't even have access to that tool. They don't understand what it's saying or the, how it's showing those results. It's not correlating back to what they do, right? So certainly in the industry, we've talked about shifting left and security needs to shift left, but that comes with a different set of problems. As a developer, as a software engineer myself, I, 
I don't want to deal with security vulnerabilities and things when I'm just trying to get something to work, right? Like we, I, I will, I want to think about those once I'm ready to deploy in production and at the right time. And it seems like the right balance. Uh, and I, there was a blog post I read which talked about instead of shifting left, let's shift down, <laughs> right? Which means let the platform engineering team take on security. Let's really get to DevSecOps by using policy as code. And policies in a cloud native form are a digital living you know, document which anybody can look, on, look at in open systems, in your Git system. Use version control, use software, you know, best practices like testing, automation. So we kind of think of it as codify, automate, and collaborate, right? So you have to kind of hit all three of these. Uh, so policy as code, but then you have to automate the deployment, the lifecycle management. Sure. And it has to be collaborative across developers, operators, security teams for this to work and scale. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it's a tough thing. I mean, because when, as I said, when you think about it, um, you know, a lot of people that are still fairly new to this technology. So they're just trying to get their application up and running, you know, but then it gets to a point where they're like, OK, well, we have it. It's we got the application working the way we want. OK, now let's go to our DevOps or our platform engineer. And we're like, we're ready to deploy this. Uh, no, not so fast. Well, have you checked this? Have you checked the security? Have you checked the policy? Have you checked? So, so there needs to be something that streamlines a lot of that stuff together so that, you know, developers can do what they need to do, but there's the checks and balances in place to, right. to make sure that it's deployed in a way. And, and by the way, this is a continuous loop because it's only as good as the last time you checked right. it. You know. Absolutely, right? And, and so just like you know, today you have tools, even scanners can run in your you know, version control repository. They will create automatically if you're running something like Dependabot in GitHub, it will create PRs for you. Now, you might not want to accept all of them all the time, but you do have to kind of review them. But for the most, it automates that, right? Now, what if you, we could do that for other security concerns, like you mentioned supply chain security or pod security, and that's exactly what we're you know, solving with Kiverno and Nirmata, right? So to be able to bring that back and say, hey, here are, here's your checklist of things, and, and this is based, by the way, on your custom policies, not on something that we as a vendor or as a community decide should be. It's based on your organization's compliance, regulatory concerns, other things you, your platform team is saying, here's a set of policies we want in place for our clusters and our cloud native uh, platforms. So based on that, you know, push that checklist back, make it available in things like you know, Git repos, uh, in formats which are, are easily accessible to developers with automated remediation wherever possible, right? So, with uh, so now if if you if a developer let's say has a deployment manifest with a pod security context and run as not root is you know set to in not set, they can easily say okay by accepting this, I'm going to change my deployment and say run as non root should be set to true and that is required for me to now promote this into production, right? The other thing we built in, and this is feedback from the community, is to say, look, for every policy, there must be some exceptions, right? And that's, that's just yeah. the nature of things, right? Yeah, yeah. And maybe, you know, one, so one thing we do, and, and I think we've learned this from networking with ACLs and other things, is 
you want to start with a denial, and then you want to add, you know, exclusions, right? This is uh, something uh, if anybody's configured a firewall, yeah. of course that makes sense, right? I did a ton of <laughs> right. to ASA conversions in my old days, so. Right, there you go. So, so why not do that even with policies, right? And that's exactly what we've designed in Kiverno, is you could have a denial policy, which is saying, that's the standard. Now, if you want an exception, let's make it as fine-grained as possible. Let's also make that exception a Kubernetes resource. You can manage through GitOps. So a developer can say, hey, you know, this is a third-party container. I'm working with the vendor. I need 15 days or 30 days to get this done. So, and if the security team approves that exception through, through Git or through whatever your system of control or record is, um, then that deployment or that application will be allowed into the right environments. Otherwise, you know, it will be blocked, right? So those are the sort of, you know, guardrails and practices now you can build into these internal developer platforms with cloud native systems. So, so that brings up a good point because, you know, um, one of the questions I have, and it's kind of like a two-part question is, is um, who should be consuming the platform and, and also in what format? So, you know, developers typically want to consume something as code, you know, because that's the way that they're accustomed to, um, and you want to automate as much as you can, do those kinds of things. But then you have things like CISOs. CISOs want to be able to see stuff in a nice graph. They just want to make sure that whatever policy they have set and guidelines they set up and whatever, you know, things that they have to abide by are getting pushed down and then you know when they get an audit they, they want to know that they're abiding by those things right. so it's a totally different way of consuming that stuff yeah. so at what different pieces or do different areas or different groups should be consuming this and, and in what way can they consume right. it yeah this this topic is you know i guess very top of mind and we've been discussing this also in the policy working group i co-chair in the cncf in the policy working group. And at one point we were discussing to say, just like in Kubernetes, you can standardize CNIs and, or CSIs for storage, CNIs for networking. Should we have a common policy, you know, kind of um, interface? And, CPI. Right, the CPI, <laughs> right. Uh, but at that time, you know, we kind of looked at, okay, there's uh, OPA and, and everybody understood what OPA does, why it's required. There were some concerns about making Rego the standard, uh, you know, and then Kiverno emerged and Kiverno got adoption. We're like, okay, well, let's, if we can't do that, what if we standardize on policy reporting, right? So what if we take the next step and say, look, there, there can be multiple engines. And by the way, it's not just policy. There are multiple scanners or multiple tools you will want in a cluster or within any environment that can produce reports or findings. Maybe it's a vulnerability scanner. Maybe it's some other custom you know, tool that uh, you've written which wants to say, hey, I found this and this is interesting to look at, right? What if you could have a standard way of reporting all of those results? And then what if we can map that to compliance controls, right? Because ultimately, like you said, a CISO wants to look at a dashboard and saying, I want to make sure my environments are compliant to PCI. Now, I can go hire an auditor and wait six months to you know get the reports and for them to work at, 
Or if I have a way of mapping them to certain policies, I work with my platform team. And as long as there's results coming from those policies, which I can then map back to the control and complete that loop, now I can have a dashboard, whether it's in Grafana or in tools, you know, like, uh, and, and by the way, this policy reporting tool is something we, uh, the reporting API, within the working group where there's an effort underway to promote that to a SIG level API. We have you know, support from Caverno, we're talking to the gatekeeper team. We are also have support from Falco and you know, all of, there's um, uh, integrations with Trivi for vulnerability scanning. So it's, it's picking up in terms of adoption, right? And the great thing is now that there's findings coming from these different tools crossing things like vulnerability scanning to policy and uh, configuration management to runtime, but it's the same standard API, which you can feed back and start mapping. The next problem we want to try and solve is how would you, is there, should we try and standardize that mapping into controls? Is that something that other management tools will do? Uh, or you know how should that work out? But the nice thing is all of this you get through structured APIs and Kubernetes, right? So it's not that you know much of an uplift now to start mapping it versus today you have to get all this disparate data from several different tools and try to make sense out of it. Yeah, it's funny because um, I often think about this and, and I, I think about it more in the supply chain area because I think about like, um, you know, how do multiple companies report the same thing and then right. figure out what is, you know, react to those things? Because yeah. everybody has, I mean, especially in things like SBOMs, there's four different formats. Right. There's, you know, there's no standard, you know, it's, you know, the, the guidelines have like six or eight different things that you must have. And then there's like anything else, anything additional. Right. So, so it's like, you know, well, how do you map those things together and decide and take action when there's not even, a good format of interchange that's that's open you know like you know if you're a security company you probably format stuff you're, the way that you feel like you want to format sure. it there's no standard interchange to kind of create that right you know? yeah and that's where the extensibility you know of kubernetes and look i mean kubernetes it's it's, it's a very interesting trend that we've seen right so started out as a container orchestrator you know bin packing what we see is if Kubernetes is truly adopted within an enterprise, it can potentially change everything within IT operations, security, et cetera, within that enterprise, right? It impacts every other process in the application delivery and management space. Sure. And it, it transforms these into this sort of more of a cloud native form, right? So again, going back to, you know, that feed those control loops, those feedback loops, and the, the brilliance of it is having the structured API, which is extensible. So here we're talking about using Kubernetes as a way to manage findings on the security side, which is, you know, like, of course, that's, it's somewhat related to container orchestration, but that's not what it was originally created for, right? But it's an important piece of that whole life cycle. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I mean, this sounds really difficult. I mean, what are what are some of the conversations you have as a, you know, how do you grab all these people together to kind of come up with these standards and and you know what does that look like? Yeah. So within the you know CNCF itself, uh, the CNCF has a you know technical oversight committee, right, where they make decisions on projects, on working groups, on SIGs, um, and then there is you know. Um, 
an acronym TAG, which is a technical advisory group which operates at the CNCF level. And within the Kubernetes, um, you know, sort of subspace, there's SIGs or special interest groups which deal with, you know, special concerns. And then there's working groups which cross-cut across. That's them, not complicated right? at all. <laughs> so, well, it's like tag SIGs and working groups, right? Yeah, so yeah. three three levels, and it's a sort sort of a necessary structure, right? And the reason I was sort of outlining that is anything that you might be interested in within Kubernetes or CNCF, there's potentially some working group or some you know SIG that also shares that interest, and or it's possible to you know launch new ones of this, right? So the way we collaborate, so in the policy working group, we have folks from you know pretty much everybody in the space who is interested in policy-based security automation compliance, and we collaborate and we kind of discuss uh, you know some of what are the relevant topics. Anyone's free to join these meetings, you know, kind of ask questions or you know propose new ideas and topics, right? So. And of course, you know, certain things, if they are specialized enough, like if it's storage related, it deserves a SIG. Etcd is now has, there's a SIG Etcd, which is great, right? Yep. Uh, it was a project for a long time. Um, so yeah, I think it's just collaborating. And then what's great being at KubeCon, other than it's almost like KubeCon is maybe two or three different conferences within a conference, right? But it's talking to the other maintainers, the collaborators, the community, uh, is awesome, right? Because then you get to, and I was just talking to folks in the SIG API machinery, um, and, and you know, also SIG etcd, right? Uh, and what they're doing and how they're going about things and how it relates back to some of the work we're doing. So, so is how does how do these different SIGs like inter inter collaborate? Is that a word? Inter collaborate. I'm going to make it a word. Yeah, no, it <laughs> works for me. Yeah, so so. If there are concerns which stretch across SIGs, then one or more SIGs can sponsor a working group. Gotcha. And that's a spin-off given a special, so policy fits that, right? Because policies, look, could be for security, for cost, for operations, could be for so many different things. So it deserved a working group to say, and our charter was to say, what can we standardize within Kubernetes? What should we pursue? And the policy reporting API came out as the first construct. We're looking at other, you know, ideas. Like one, uh, you know, challenge we're trying to solve is, if you're using policy as code, there could be different versions or flavors of that policy in different clusters. And you know, these days we're seeing we're working with uh, customers who might have fleets of like hundreds of clusters across, you know, cloud data center edge. How do you make sure the same policy is in all these clusters? How do you know which version of the policy reported a compliance result, right? So for that, we're trying to think about just like you have digest in an image, sure. can we come up with a unique way of standardizing and pointing it back to something to say this version of this policy rule created this particular finding, right? So problems like those, I mean, they come out of real world practical experience, of course, working closely with customers, but then we take it back to these working groups and say, look, is this interesting to others? Uh, so if there's folks from Google or Amazon or Red Hat or Cisco or others who are also seeing that problem, they're saying, yeah, we're trying to solve the same problem and maybe this should be standardized, right? So that's, that's how these ideas emerge. And uh, what's great is everybody, you know, although, you know, of course, 
products can overlap and things like that. But when we're working in the community, we mostly have our community hats on and we're saying what's best for Kubernetes users and how do we evolve things that way. I mean, yeah, I, I, one of the things I love about this, this community is, is that it is a great community. And you know what, I, I may have friends, and I do have friends at, at pretty much every competing right. company, but we're friends. You yes. know, we don't, we don't take it as like, you know, okay, you're at a different company that does something similar. We're yeah. not going to be friends anymore. It right. doesn't work that way. We, we actually like, you know, okay, that's, okay, what's similar? Okay, how do we? Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's room for everybody. So, it's you know. It's a big enough space. It's, it's, it's a big enough space. So it's it's never seemed like it's, you know, it's 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 one or nobody else, you know? <laughs> right. So. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, and that's what, you know, certainly, and, and look, we're a small company, you know, and there's a lot of large companies, but even with that, we never, like, being part of Nirmata and being part of the community, we've never felt, like, out of place or, that, oh, we need to, you know, have an army of folks to be able to address certain problems. And it's great to be able to rely back on the community. And like you said, the, the friendships and the bonds you create here, they last for several decades, right? Because yeah, we're truly solving problems, uh, you know, for end users, uh, people who are sort of, you know, pushing the boundaries of where to take uh, all of the things we've been building uh, next. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, you know, uh, my friend Stephen last last night was like, you know what? Uh, some of the stuff we're creating right now, we're going to look back and be like, we were in the room when 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 this was created. So it's it's really neat to to think of that. And I and you know, I thank Stephen Augustus for bringing that up and right. and uh, and saying that. You know, because you know, a lot of people don't stop to think about how cool it is to be part of this community and to you know to really. Um, contribute and to, to just be here. Absolutely. <laughs> so if you had to, going back a little bit, if you had to think about like, since you're in the security space, things that haven't really been solved or haven't been solved well yet, is there anything that kind of stands out that, that, that you could think of? Yeah, so one, you know, we are in the security space, but we come more from an operations background, right? Which okay. is interesting, right? So our DNA, you know, and, Myself, our founding team at Nirmata, and a lot of you know our folks and engineers came from more of a telecommunications network management type of background, right? Within there, security was always part of the management sort of plane, and it was baked in because you know telecom networks 24/7, and uh, outages and the FCC fine. I remember my training session at Bell Labs where they make you watch two days of videos saying if you have a software bug, you know, lives depend on what you're producing, right? And that's the message wow. that gets uh, uh, instilled in you. Um, so Is it the same thing on the loop? That no, 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 it was different session <laughs> okay. in different ways, but the core message was consistent, gotcha. uh, but they made sure you heard it in several different ways, right? <laughs> that look, if people are gonna depend on your software, not only will we pay millions if there's an incident, but uh, people, you know, need this to always be working. Sure. So uh, coming from that sort of background, you know, we have always looked at security as part of the overall, you know, management suite and what needs to happen. But now with Cloud Native, of course, we, we have the ability to shift this, not only so into the clusters, into these control planes, uh, you know, just like with, if you go back to even things like fault tolerance or distributed systems, the first 
fault tolerant system I worked on was tandem hardware nonstop computing, yep. right? So now if you kind of look at that, that that seems so you know out of place with what we do today, with what we have with uh, distributed systems today, right? So similarly with security, I, I think security is you know not evolved as much, and the, the biggest problem, like we were saying, is to modernize, is to apply these cloud native principles of codifying, automating, trans and then allowing that collaboration across all the stakeholders and roles, right? So that's still a lot of work in progress. It's not, you know, a solved problem. So to me, that seems like the most, uh, you know, thing. And there's smaller, you know, items along the way, like we were talking about with these unique identifiers, collecting the data, the evidence. There's also interesting things happening in the compliance world, like with, you know, definitions like the NIST OSCAL spec, mm -hmm. automating the compliance at that level. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just like with any transformation, a lot of manual things can be replaced over time, but I truly believe it leads to better, you know, solutions in the end and better outcomes for everybody. Yeah. So, so where do you think there's, um, and I'm going to guess this answer is yes, but do you think there's a lot of room for, for new AI in, the, in these areas? Absolutely, right, and that's uh, so. The AI is one of the major themes, you know. At the, of course, at KubeCon this year. Yes, absolutely. Um, so there's the, you know, sort of the, so to speak, the low-hanging fruit of AI, right? Where you can say, okay, can, uh, can I generate policies or can I generate? But to me, that's not as interesting because, with you know, it's if you know Kubernetes with you know tools like Kubernetes, it's easy enough to write the policies. Sure. Um, what's more interesting is if I am seeing results and reports, what is what should I focus on first, right? What, where, as of course, as humans, we have limited time, limited, limited sort of you know cap, uh, effort we can devote on something. What is most relevant, and how do you sift through all the noise, right? And there, I feel AI can be extremely powerful. And that's something that we're looking at doing, right? To say, how do we collect back all these findings, report results, you know, run it through certain models, which says, this is where you start versus, you know, okay, here's like 2,000 things you need to fix in the next week, right? Which hey, is never going to happen. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I was a security consultant for, for about 20 years, and I did a lot of IDSs and IDPs and, and uh, CSMs and, and SIMs and all those kinds of things. And... The funny part, well, not really funny, is that you would set these things up, you would configure them, you would refine them, and usually you had to set up like, where's your DC, your domain mm -hmm. controller, where's your, you know, because you had to filter out the traffic you didn't want, right? You know, or or you know, refine it. But then you'd go back to those companies, like, you know, six months later, and and I'd be like, so how's it running? And they're like, oh, we haven't looked at it, we haven't done any of this, you know. And it's 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 funny because it's a similar thing now. It's just a little bit different context, but it's like you know. We, we have to take this this piece a little bit more seriously and then how can we focus those things because the reason why those things failed was because there was too much. Right. There was too much information and people didn't want to go sift through it or didn't know how to filter it or, or didn't know how to action it the right way. So that's where I think you know, AI is right. really going to come into to play. Totally agree, right? And it's it's helping make those right decisions based on data. You know, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, one last question that I always ask for, since we are at KubeCon: 
what what's interesting for you here you know you, you obviously you've come here i've come here many times you know every year is different what what kind of interests you here this year yeah so three three major teams you know and as a team myself some of my colleagues at nirmata and even just within the community sharing notes three major themes i see right so platform engineering is, is definitely there's a lot of sessions a lot of talk a lot of interesting things that and and even just having lunchtime conversations um you know what should platform engineers like we were just discussing what should they own what should they not own like how do they collaborate with other teams a lot of interesting things happening around there um and then ai ml like you, you were asking about right there's a lot of interest in given that kubernetes is still more at the infrastructure level it's like how do we take like you know language large language models how do we run them efficiently and especially with privacy data gravity concerns things like that what what is the role of kubernetes and cloud native systems in that uh, there's some very interesting you know like demos i saw also just walking around where how would data scientists you know sort of interact with some of these systems cuz clearly they're not going to run kubectl or anything like that they want to do this like we're in languages and like if they're familiar with python or if they're kind of writing applications maybe with some simple annotations and things there right and and then of course security security is still very much and i think uh, this year and every year it seems to be and like you rightly said the kubernetes journey seems to be at a stage where folks are realizing we need to get security right and we need to you know like I, at least the term that i've been using is to modernize security yeah. now that we have modern apps right yeah absolutely well thank you so much for coming on this has been amazing and thank i should have had you on much sooner i don't right. know why i haven't thank you <laughs> pleasure right. to be here thank you very much